Amen. Are we ready to jump into the word today? Let's jump, let's jump into the word. We've been talking about something that we've, I, I love that, that last song, Your Way is Better. We've been, we've been uh, talking about something, and, and it's just one simple word, and it's the word better. Everybody say better. It, 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 it's the word better. And it goes unsaid that every, everyone on this side of heaven, we're not, we've not made it there yet. We're, we want to get there. Um, but they have an area that they could say, God, I want this area to get better. Lord, here's an area that I want to get be better. I believe that God is the one that inspired that desire in your heart for better because he is the one that can scratch that desire. He, he is the one that meets you at that place. And I think, and, and we can see that throughout the Bible, what God does is he taps into that desire by engaging us in an area that we desperately need his better. You see it cover to cover, where people would be in a situation and they desperately, and he would engage them. And I like to say it like this, is God, it pushes them to get closer to God. It pushed them to seek him in their life. And usually God meets us in that place with a promise of better, but we have to be willing to follow him. We have to be, we have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow. See, a belief in better is one of the things I believe that should fuel us and sustain us in our here and in our now, where maybe you're, you're facing some things, or you're going through some things, but a belief in God has better than where you're at. It should fuel you and sustain you where you're at. Discouragement and depression set in when we feel stuck or we don't believe that something is going to get better. Where we just, we get stuck and we get discouraged and we get depressed. And, and I, I love, it says in Psalms 119 verse 92, it says this, it says, if your instructions, I like that word instructions. How many of you know God gives great instructions? How many of you have ever tried to build something and ignored the instruction manual and got it together and found out you had to take it back apart to get it to work? How many of you know what I'm saying? Is my wife, she says that, did you read the instructions? Got it, baby. I'm good. I'm good. She's like, did you read the instruction? We don't need that. Why is that part extra? Well, they just gave us extra. How many? <laughs> Look at what he said. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. Psalms 94, verse 17 through verse 19. Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I'm slipping but your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And I think I believe that reflection in our life, and you know, as we come to we're January 1st today, is reflection is a muscle that God wants to develop in our life, where we're able to reflect and look and say, okay, this area right here, and we reflect and say, I'm not happy with the results that are right there. Lord, I want your better. And usually January is a natural time. When we use the word better, it's really, really important to view better in our life in a 
matching view of what God says brings better into our life. Sometimes when we talk about um, walking with God is the only way we embrace him is the creator. How many of you know God's a creator? He can do, but equally, he is also in the Bible talks about it, that he is a builder and he is a grower. God creates, but he also builds and he also grows. In Matthew 16, when Jesus was talking to Peter about his church, he said, God's, Jesus said that God will build his church. He didn't say he would create it, but he would build it. And building is indicative of one step at a time, one two by four at a time, one nail at a time, one step at a time. God is the same way with us. You know, when Jesus was on the earth and he taught his followers, I don't know if you knew this, but one third of the New Testament teachings of Jesus came in the form of a parable. And he would say things like, he would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is like this, or what shall we compare the kingdom of heaven? And then he would, he would begin to tell a parable. That the term, if you look, the term building or growing was used in nine of the parables that Jesus told describing the kingdom of heaven or the way that God functions. You remember he said it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it planted into the ground, it grew. You remember he talked about the two people that built their house, didn't create it, they built it and they dug down deep. He talked about a, a kernel of seed and first the seed, then the blade, then the stalk, then the full, he talked about the fig tree, he talked about wheat and weed seeds. Right now, you and I have desires within our heart that they're in seed form right now. It's in a seed form. It's right now on the inside of you, there's a seed. And, and when you think about it, is I must embrace God's view of an understanding of how to experience that within my life. Because if I only see God as a creator, if I only see God as the one that he's just going to do this, then what I have to realize is my view needs to be adjusted. My view of how God is going to do this. I want you to think about this for a moment. When God had a plan to save the world, he didn't give birth to a full-grown adult or bring a man. He gave birth to a baby in a manger, fragile, and that was his whole plan. Started really, really small, but grew. If you stop and you think about the church that he's planted on the earth, it started with Jesus putting into 12 misfits. They were misfits. All 12 of the guys that Jesus picked for disciples were misfits. He put, he put three and a half years into 12 misfits, and then he launched his church, and it's where it's at today because it started way back there really, really small. See, God has better, but there's a high likelihood it won't just be created, but it will have to be built it will have to grow as I follow and apply what I know in my life. As I say, God, I'm going to follow you to that better. You know, we've been looking in, in previous weeks, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we were looking at Abraham 
who outside of Jesus, if you study his life, is he is mentioned more times than anyone else in the Bible and used as an example and called the father of faith. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham. He is the Bible's gold standard of faith. And I want to just, I'm going to read verse uh, Genesis 12, verse 1 through verse 4. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, the word there, he says he had said, we discussed in previous weeks that God, if you read the 11th chapter and you read in Acts 7 where Stephen talked about Abraham, we found out that God had spoken to Abraham some 20 years before chapter 12 verse 1 had occurred. God had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relative, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. And there's his better. I will bless you and make you famous. There's his better. And you will be a blessing to others. There's his better. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. That's God's better, his protection. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's his better. Verse four, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. As we found out that it took Abraham over 20 years to respond to this, but now he's moving in that direction. And I want to just give us today four very practical steps to God's better in our life. Number one is this, is I must believe in God's better, in God's better apart from my performance, my works, or my inadequacies. I must believe in God's better Everybody, are you with me? I must believe in his better apart from, totally apart from my performance, my works, and my inadequacies. You say, why is that? Because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, we, and if you think about it, it took Abraham 20 years to respond. I didn't say you wouldn't have to do anything or apply ourselves but if we don't watch it, we can wear ourselves out with an earning mentality where we think, God, I did this, I did this, I did this. Now it should equate in this and this and this should happen in my life. I call it an entitlement. And then when discouragement comes within our life, because discouragement will knock, discouragement will happen. If we put it on ourselves to carry it rather than a faith in the goodness and in the grace and in the mercy of God, when we have a bad day, we will give into condemnation we will give into beating ourselves up because we look at our performance as having earned that better. In the Old Testament, being good enough by what we do, by what they did, it was works oriented. But in the New Testament, what you see is we receive by the grace of God, not because of His works, but because not because of our works, but because of His works. We surrender to His works. We believe in His works. We don't earn to get it. We believe he's already earned it and we apply ourselves, but there's a huge difference. I'm not carrying the weight. He carried the weight. He carried the weight. The reason this is so important is because all of us are going to make mistakes. How many of you want better? That's super cool. Nine of us. I said, how many of us want better? 
we all want better. But And how many of you before have ever said, Lord, this is the direction I'm going. I ain't going back. How many of you are with me on that? And you took a step back. How many of you made, it, you made a mistake? You have to stop and say, okay, I'm going to learn from that. But God, I'm so glad that your better isn't linked to my performance, to what, to what I do. You know, if I look at my life, every major decision that God has led in my life come back to one word, and I believed in God's better. I believed it. I believed that his plan is better than mine. I believed that whatever he had for my life, he created me, and whatever he has is better than whatever my plan is. Now, I will tell you this. I do like him to tell me what that is. How many of you are with me on that? I like, I like him to tell me. And there are times that he does. He reveals. There are other times he just wants me to trust him. I mean, I stop and look at my life. And when I first got married, is uh, my, my, my dad tried to talk me into staying in Texas, and he said, well, you could just stay here and work for me and hand off whatever, whatever. But the Lord had already said to me, no, I want you to move to San Diego and you're going to start your own business. And this is what you're going to do. My belief in his better is what motivated me in that time of my life. You know, when you talk about me being a pastor, I believed in God's better. And that's what motivated me to follow him. You know, you, you, we stop and, and you think about it, moving to Michigan. I can't tell you how many of our friends said, you are losing it. You are leaving San Diego and you are moving to Michigan. Naturally, it made absolutely no sense. The last, uh, the, the, I, I, we moved here in September and if it was for a monetary reason, we moved here in September, and by September of that year, the business that I owned had, what, had paid me four times what the church had offered me for an entire year. And, and I remember, but you say, well, why would you do that? Because I believe in God's better. Yeah. I, believe, I believe in his better. You know, I'm just going to straight up. We are now victory life. Everybody say victory life. Victory life. I'm excited. Yeah. You say, why are you excited? Because God is a God of better. Yeah. And we follow him and he has better. Number two is this. Is true belief always has corresponding actions and works. You say, wait a minute. You just got done saying, I've got to believe in God's better as apart from my performance, my works, and my inadequacies. But now you're saying true belief always has corresponding actions and works. Realize this, not until I act do I really reveal what I believe. When I act, it's easy to say something, but when I act on it, it reveals what I really believe. And I put skin in the game. I stop and I say, Lord, I believe it enough that I take a step, that I act. James 2 verse 14 and verse 17, it says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anybody? Verse 17, so you see faith by itself 
isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. See, what I do, it reveals what I truly believe. And so I have to stop and say, okay, God, if you have better, then I have to be open to some new ways of thinking and some new ways of doing. And if I'm not open to some new ways of thinking and some new ways of doing, then what's going to happen is I'm going to get stuck right where I'm at. Proverbs, I like that Proverbs 24 verse 3, and I'm going to read it in two translations because I really like the way the Amplified says it. But it says, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Now look at the way the Amplified, because it actually extrapolates us and gives it more accurate. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound, good foundation. Look at the way he described wisdom and the Amplified breaks it out beautifully in the Hebrew is it talks about God's wisdom is two things. It's skillful and it's godly. Skillful and godly. When you think about it, skillful wisdom is God-inspired natural wisdom in our life. I'm just going to give you a great example. Um, physicians, God has inspired them and given them wisdom in order to put these things back together. How many of you are with me on that? When you talk about skillful wisdom, it is natural wisdom. There's na it, God inspired it, but it's natural and it builds your life. But godly wisdom, when you look at godly wisdom, is it is inspired, God-inspired spiritual wisdom and it applies to spiritual things within my life. For instance, the finished work of Christ and now that I am forgiven, that is spiritual wisdom. But they always come together in this natural realm. Like let me give you a great example. The Bible teaches tithing. If we honor God with our tithe, God said, I'll bless you. I think it, that first of all is what you notice is it is spiritual wisdom, but then we equally have to apply skillful wisdom and practical insight where God, I'm going to tithe, but I'm also going to live on a budget. How many of you know what I'm saying? The budget is skillful wisdom. The budget is natural things. If I tithe, but I don't use self-control within my life, then what happens is, is it affects me stepping in to God's better. God's better is both. You know, years ago, and I've shared this story again, or I've shared this story a long time ago, but I threw my back out when I was like 32 or 33. And, um, and it was weird. I had never had anything. And I was flat on the floor on my back for like three days. And James DeMello, how many of you know who James is? James DeMello, who is a bodybuilder, comes over to my house and he looks at me on the floor and he says this, you got core problems. I'm like, dude, God's going to do a miracle here. God's going to fix it. He's like, no, you got to strengthen your core. I'm like, dude, you can go home now. How many of you know what I'm saying? I want you to pray for me. And then he further elaborates. He says, you're getting fat. I said, James, dude, 
If I was not on this floor, how many of you got friends in your life that you can just speak to that way? I was just not on this floor. I'm like, I was wanting his grace and his mercy. Oh, brother Mike, let me pray for you and cry with me. You know what I'm saying? And say, God, we need a miracle. But he came and he said, you got core problems. He said, you're getting older. You're getting flabby. And he said, you got to strengthen your core. That's what's causing your back problems. I remember looking at him and I'm like, dude, this is not even what I want to hear. How many of you are with me on that? I don't even want to hear this. And he leaves and you think I did anything about my core? No. About a year later, it happened again. And he comes to my house again. And he says, you got core problems. He says it again. He said, you got core problems. I'm like, let me just tell you something. He was right. And I needed to strengthen my core. But I just kept praying for a miracle. And God was saying, are you open to skillful wisdom to fix the problem? See, sometimes in our life, we're saying, God, I want better. But, and God is saying to us, okay, realize I'm going to supply you with two things. I, you know, and sometimes what it is, is we just, I've been around people and they are so spiritual, but they're naturally just don't make good decisions. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and they always escape. I'm believing God for it. They're always like, I'm believing God for a miracle. How about if we apply skillful and godly wisdom to our life so we don't constantly need a miracle, but we can pray for somebody else to get a miracle in our life. Are you with me today? You want, you guys want me to move on? Okay, I'll move on. Number, <laughs> you know, the, we sang that song, Lord, I'll make room for you. God, I'm going to make room for you. See, this is how. I realize we all love the Lord right now, but maybe in our life right now, we have only been open to the super stupendous, supernatural wisdom revelation from God. I am not, but there is a skillful side of wisdom that we have to stop and say, Lord, am I open to that or am I kind of shut down in that? Number three is this. Every day, and every step of every day must be intentionally mixed with faith. Or we could say trust. Every day. Every day. Not, look at what it says in Hebrews 4.2. For indeed the gospel, this is talking about the children of Israel going into the promise, the blessing. And, and he's referring to them and it says, for indeed the gospel or the good news was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, it did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, when things happen, I have to stop and mix it with faith. When I, God, you're better. I believe in you're better. But God, this is going, I have to very intentionally stop. How do I do that? By stopping and recentering on what God says in his word in that specific area of my life. Okay, Lord, this just happened. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I realize that seeds are going to try to get planted in my mind to doubt you, to question you, 
to not believe. And I need to right now recenter on what you say and mix it with faith. Mix, take it, bring it right into my situation, right? I'm believing for better. But now I, I realize that I got to right now, I got to mix it with faith. See, faith, or we could say trust, must answer the whatabouts in my daily life. They've got to answer them. They've got, what about? How many of you know we all got whatabouts? How many of you have somebody in your life that is, never mind, don't lift your hand. How many of you know what I'm saying? We all have whatabouts. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? We all have whatabouts. We will always have whatabouts. We will always, there will always be whatabouts. But the whatabouts need to be answered with, Lord, I don't get it, but this is what you've promised. This is what you say. I'm believing in your better and I'm following you. And so right now, I declare this. See, Satan uses the whatabouts that aren't mixed with faith to drain us, where our mind just cycles on them, just worries about them, just thinks about them. And we just cycle on them and cycle on them and think about them. And they're just draining to us. Drains our energy, drains our strength, drains our expectation. Number four is this is it will require commitment and grit. It's going to require commitment and grit. We cannot find one person in the Bible that stepped in to God's better and stayed in it without first developing commitment and grit. Notice I use the word stayed in it. It's one thing to visit God's better, and it's another thing to stay in it. And it just requires commitment and it requires grit within our life. Commitment and grit, what they are is they're the revealers and the refiners of my life. When I make a commitment and I just say, okay, God, I'm going to have grit and I'm just going to keep putting one foot in in front of the other, just one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to keep putting one foot and just doing the right thing. God, realize this. What it does is it reveals the junk that then the Lord takes out and it refines the stuff and makes us better. It makes us better in our life. You know, I think in our lives sometimes, God is saying, you want better, I got better, but I need you to make room for me. I need you to make room. You know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) stand up, guys, stand up. (laughs) You know, when you came in the door today, they were passing out communion, or it was on the table. If you did not get one, if you would simply please just lift your hand and they'll make sure that you get one. Go ahead and just lift your hand and they'll make sure that you get, that you, that you get one. When you think about communion, is communion, what it is, is I believe that it focuses us on a new start, on a new start in our life. You say, well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know about you, but I find I need new starts regularly. I just, Lord, I just need a new start. And you say, what do you mean by a new start? What do you mean by that? 
to be able to stop and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to right now recenter on the most important thing. And that is number one, that I am forgiven and you gave me the ability to forgive others. But then equally is that God, you are the one that releases. You are the one that leads and you are the one that helps. And so as you have that little cup, I want you to just peel back the the top layer and get the piece of bread out that's there. I believe that right now, not only our church, but your life, God is saying, you want better. What I need you to do is just an absolute restart on this year. Just a restart. Just saying, Lord, right now I lean in to you. God, today as we look at this small piece of bread, Jesus, we reflect. We reflect on your willingness to sacrifice your life, to bring healing and mending and wholeness to our lives. And it says that after the last supper, you lifted up a, you lifted up a loaf of bread and you broke it. And you said, this is broken. My body is being broken. And we see in your word that your body was broken to bring healing to our lives. Lord, I know that as I stand up here, there are those in this room that their better is directly connected to either healing physically, healing emotionally, healing over something that has happened maybe in their heart or in their soul, that you are the one that heals. And Lord, we come to you and we recenter fresh and new. Go ahead and take the bread. Lord, as we receive this, we declare from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet and through every fiber of our being that we are the redeemed of the Lord. Go ahead and receive. Thank you, God. You can go ahead and peel back. Lord, as I look at this little cup of grape juice, your forgiveness is incredible. Covers every area, every situation, and brings freedom to my life. And Lord, right now we identify that we are the forgiven, we are the released of the Lord. And Lord, as we receive it, Lord, we walk it out and we dish it out. Lord, maybe today there's somebody right now in our mind that we just need to forgive. We just need to just, Lord, maybe under our breath, maybe out loud, just say, I just forgive them. I just let it go right now. Bless them and I let it go. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, go ahead and receive Can you say amen? How many of you excited about better? Your way is better. How many of you are excited about about what God's got for you in 2023? I am. I'm excited. 